Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear, and we mean weekly, although we missed last week because of Rosh Hashanah. Hopefully, Hashem, the Sukkah shear will be recorded, building another the Tuesday before pre-recorded and video available if anyone would like. Um, this year, of course, is Nishmas, Bachava Chana, Shalom, Bas, Ibadlu, Rabbam, Shiyuchya. Also, we'd like to, the Langegs give out a Shkoyach. If you're watching this video and you're hearing a better recording quality, to Meisha Levi ben Esther Shiyuchya, you should have a easy Shidduch with his Basherta, the one that he's hoping for and davening for. So far, the best line that went around on WhatsApp. Was on Arab Rosh Hashanah. Someone sent that they're looking for a secretary. They're willing to pay them very well for the next four hours to just answer Amen you too. Um, would have been a good idea. It's a beautiful thing though that you didn't want to wish one another a good year. And we do so as well. The Week, this week, this Shabbos, is, as, as, of course, as you all may know, Shabbos Shabbosoyim, Yom HaKippurim. Shabbos Yom Kippur, there are several different halachas involved. Namely, we do not say Avinu Makenu, till the Eva. In the other prayer, we will say Avinu Makenu. All the Hilchas Shabbos, all the Hilchas in Kippur are Hilchas Shabbos the same, and therefore mm-hmm. there will be no difference as eating or drinking or carrying or driving or anything of the sort. On an keeper, of course, we know we cannot wash, we don't wash our hands, we don't wash our body, we wash only to our knuckles, we do not wear regular shoes, leather shoes.
sleeping, of course, is the same. The idea of Yenisimus Nafshei Seichem. One should not be comfortable on Yom Kippur. Therefore, again, the same thing would apply probably as far as pillows are concerned, etc. Um... We, the mitzvah of Friday, Erev Yom Kippur, Erev Shabbos, it's as big a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur as it is to fast on Yom Kippur. And therefore, we should see to eat as much as we can on Erev Yom Kippur. The Minig is to eat two sudas and Erevim Kippur. The first of the two first of the two is a regular meal with Basavadogim and the second of the two is without Basar. Without the Dogim, excuse me. We generally do not eat meat on Erevim Kippur we eat um, chicken. The kreplach, meaning of eating kreplach, the meaning of eating kreplach is whenever we clap, as they say, we bang, as we bang by Heshan Rabba, we bang the Heshainis. On Purim, we bang when they say Haman. And on Yom Kippur, we bang Al Chait. Therefore, we have kreplach. However, the kreplach is not made of meat, it's made of chicken. On Aravim Kippur, because we do not, as we said before, eat meat because they make the person thirsty. We try to avoid anything that will make us over, overly thirsty. There's a beautiful mini Yisrael, Tzabat Lekach. Aravim Kippur, we ask, usually the Gabbai of the Shul gives out Lekach, which is honey cake that ever would stand for hours. They tried to make it as quick as possible, and then I would distribute everybody walking by a piece of lekach, and then I would say the shana teva umesuka. This was done very, very, very quickly, and generally, the Rebbe would never give a glance at the recipient. I noticed recently, and it was quite shocking to me actually, uh, they had videos of clips of videos of Erevin Kippur, the Rabbi Miguel Lekach, and people actually brought dignitaries and politicians and police, heads of police, etc., to get Lekach from the Rebbe, to greet the Rebbe, and to thank the Rebbe, and to get a blessing from the Rebbe, etc. I, I'm shocked. I'm appalled to know that this is happening, this is going on. Um, as Chassidim, everybody wanted to get Lekach. 
But it was like Kesha Bracha. We were very skeptical, but yet, how could we deprive ourselves? Um, we didn't want the Rebbe standing so long. We didn't, because of me, the Rebbe should wait. It was quite a inner turmoil, shall we say. And yet, Baruch Hashem, the Rebbe was always, would always give happily. Would always bench, bless each and every person full-heartedly with every of wish. One of the famous stories that went around this week was the story, I believe, of the Shliach in Antwerp, um, where he's yeah, where he spoke to a I think Belzachosid. Was he Belzachosid? I don't remember what kind of chassid the man was. And now the story escapes my mind. Something to the effect of... Zabel's a chassid, correct? Faival Shapiro. And... Um, he says, this Faival Shapiro was, was a member of Antwerp. He lost his mother when he was very, very young. And grew up in the Barsham, established his own life, and he came once to 770, and he saw there was a lot of humble tumble going on. Humble tumble going on in the 770 upstairs, he didn't know what was going on. He said, What's the tzavdo? They said, they're going, People are going into Yechidus tonight. People went into Yechidus. There was the outer foyer, the hallway. Then there was a hallway that went down to the back of the sh- back of the building, to the sinks. Excuse me. Then there was the small zal, the upstairs zal, and the small zal, where people would sit and write their panim, write their letters. And then, when your appointment got closer. You would approach the Shamas, the Gabai, and ask Nu, and the Shamas would of course tell you about another hour or two. Um, although the Rebbe was very punctual with his time, people unfortunately were not, or, I wouldn't say that actually, because the Rebbe would not let people waste his time, people that would come into the Rebbe and would ask for brachas and I'd beseech different brachas for different things, would get the full attention of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe would give, as he saw fit, to each and every person at the time. People were asked to sit down, people were asked different things in the Yechidus. People that came in for the simplest of Yechidus could have ended up being there for 20 minutes, half hour, hour. So according to the scheduling, according to the appointments, the Gabayim basically pointed, made appointments according to a two or three minute Yechidus on the average. So if people stayed longer than that, it was beyond them. Anyway, he saw what's going on. He says, you know what? So he went to the Ganeid Natakhtan, as we call it, the door outside the Rebbe's room. 
And as soon as the other fellow walked in, he told the guy that was standing there for next, he says, Woman, I want to go in. And he pushed his way in. The Gabbai went, Let's not call it crazy. Gabbai was not happy with his behavior. And the Gabbai tried to grab him out. The Rebbe looked up and saw him and said, No, please sit. And he was shocked. The Rebbe treated him like he knew who he was. And then, I don't recall now again, I'm missing. Did he tell the Rebbe about his story or the Rebbe told him about his own story? Um, he went in. And he didn't, know, he didn't even know what was going to happen. He didn't even bring in a settle. He didn't bring anything. And he just sat there. The Rebbe staring at him. He's staring at the Rebbe. In complete silence. Then the Rebbe says, as if this was the next thing that was supposed to happen, the Rebbe went over to a drawer and started looking for something. And the Rebbe came, came back to his desk and begins to read from it. It was a letter, it turns out. And it was the letter that was written by this businessman's mother 25 years before. And she writes to the Rebbe that she knows she's going to pass away. She doesn't care about herself. She's only asking Rachmim Rabim for, from, from Hashem on behalf of her children. And she went on with a passionate plea that Hashem should protect and bless her children who are soon going to be left without a mother in this world. This fellow was in shock. He was overwhelmed. He was only a child and his mother passed away. His memories of her were very hard. How much did he remember? He was definitely not aware that the Rebbe received a letter from her on his behalf. And therefore for him, his mother was alive in that room with him. But the Rebbe didn't finish at that. The Rebbe continued, and the Rebbe said, when the man asked, can I have the letter? The Rebbe said to him, I'm sorry, you can't. He said, why not? And he said, the Rebbe told him, my custom, before I go down to Kanidre, in that Bismedish that you saw outside, are all the Tmimim, all the students of the Yeshiva, all the Bakram. They stand in that room. They stand in that room and I come in there to give them Birchus Kahanim, to give them Birchus Abanim, as a father who blesses his children. But before I go out to the room, I read this letter. This letter that your mother wrote to me 
25 years ago. I read over, and I see, and I beseech from the Almighty the compassion that this mother begged for, for her children. And this awakens within me that very same feeling. And therefore, I can't part with the letter. It was a story, went around WhatsApp again. I've heard it many times before. And <laughs> I'm sure listening to archives, you'll probably catch me of telling it before. <laughs> Yen Kipper. The day, Yen Kipper, the day itself forgives. If you're keeping score at home, it's Gemara and Shavuos, Yud Gimel Omer Aleph. And the Gemara presents a Machlekes. The Rabbanon say, Yom Kippur itself does not forgive only to those that repent. Those who repent are forgiven. Rebbe argues, and he says, those who do tshuva, those who don't do tshuva, Yem Kippur forgives. Because itzumei shal yem mechaper. The essence of the day forgives. The Maisa, everyone knows, Yem Kippur forgives. It's a day of forgiving. It's a day that forgives. Therefore, if everybody knows that, so what are they actually arguing? According to Rebbe, the holiness of Yom Kippur is so great, even someone that doesn't do tshuva, that doesn't re- does not repent, is forgiven. The Rabbanon hold this is a stipulation. There's a condition, and that is only through tshuva, that Hashem forgives, but if the person does tshuva. This whole story needs to be understood. Kapora doesn't mean only forgiveness when it comes from Hashem. When a Jew commits a sin, he's causing a flaw in his own soul. A stain on his neshama. It would be so much easier to give a shir if it was quiet in my background, wouldn't it be? But they don't hear The person, therefore, needs to rectify, needs to clean up the stain. How is it possible that these stains should wipe themselves out? 
just because Yom Kippur came about, came along. We need to delve slightly into the connection of the Jew and the Almighty. There is a certain connection that is bound, that is tied with doing mitzvahs through Kabbalah's El Malchus through accepting the heavenly yoke, and therefore the person wants to fulfill God's will. This makes a very strong bound, bound, bond oof, between the Jew and his Creator. And when a Jew is Mekayim, the want the, the what God wants from him, he ties himself together to God. Higher than that. Then Kabbalah Sel Malchashemayim, then mitzvah is done through Kabbalah Sel Malchashemayim, is the connection that comes through tshuva, through repentance. What is tshuva? What is repentance? Not normal. What happened here? What transpired? The person committed a sin, Rahman He detached himself from God. He caused a removal of the yoke of heaven. In that case, if he's detached, why all of a sudden did he decide to repent? But what does Tshuva do? Tshuva reveals the essence. That in essence the person is connected and wants to be connected, wants to remain connected. Even when he doesn't do what God wants. And this Nakuda itself awakens that the person should do Tshuva and should want to reattach themselves to God. Still not the end of the chapter. Even this repentance is not the end. The connection of tshuva has boundaries to it. To a certain level. According to the actual tshuva, the way it's done. And then there's something deeper than that. The connection between the neshama of a Jew to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, The holy soul to the Almighty. The soul that a Jew has within us, within ourselves, is chelik elika mimam mamish. Part of God. This al brings down right in the beginning of Tanya. And this, therefore, is always one. It's always one with God and its roots. And this has no effect in any which way, form, or fashion by the behavior of the Jew.
not up, not down. The nature of his soul is attached to God. And therefore, there's nothing he can do really about that point. But the entire year, this knot between him and God, between him and the source of his soul, is hidden deep in the heart. What reveals itself? An outward connection. Which is, of course, affected by the way we act. But Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim, Shabbat Shabbat this reveals a deeper connection from within that there is between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Yisrael. And this is therefore the explanation of Yitzumei Shayyim Mechaper. Yom Kippur, as it reveals itself, the connection, the inner connection, therefore all the flaws are erased. All the stains are cleaned. This day we see that every Jew is connected fully to God. And therefore, we erase all the sins. Except, of course, those who sinned on Yom Kippur itself. And this comes all to a fruition in the Tvila of Ni'ila, the fifth Tvila of the day. Because at that point, Ni'ila, Lashin, Nina'alim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mishra'al B'Yechidus, the Almighty, and the Jews are locked in a room together. And nothing can stand in their way. the Tvila of the Kayin Godel. As we daven at night before the Meir of Prayer and Yom Kippur, as the sun is setting, we pray the prayer known as Kol Nidre, nullifying all our vows. Then this might have this week, this year, after Kolnidre, we will start Kabbalah Shabbos from Mizmah the David, being that it is Friday night, it's Shabbos. And of course, the Chodedi, bringing a special joy into the Yom Kippur day, the joy of Shabbos. I'm sorry.
Another thing that my mind has failed me, although my son has read it to me 14 times today, from Rav Yitzchak Medichev. And of course, when you need it, you can't find it. We sent it. Somebody sent me today simple math, by the way. Yeah. Two, to get and to forgive and to give creates too many problems. Creates many problems. So you just double it. Forget and forgive. That solves many problems. Very powerful. They say about Rebbeitz Gaditsha that Yim Kippur when it comes out on Shabbos, he was very, very calm. And he said, Shabbos, you're not allowed to write. You're writing is Chil Shabbos. Only for what? Only for Bikuach Nefesh. If it's a life and death matter. Then you can write. So therefore, when God needs to inscribe us on this Shabbos, he can only write good. Because that's the only thing that Pikuach Nefesh is allowed. So therefore death cannot be inscribed. Because you're not allowed to write that on Shabbos. Therefore it should be to all of us, very, very powerful from Levi Yitzchak, the lawyer of Klal Yisrael. We then go to Minik Chabad, Minik Chabad is that we say the entire Tehillim after Mayrev night, after the Mayrev and the Slichas and everything, we then sit and say the entire Tehillim. And one should, I mean traditionally they had people that would stay in shul, the entire Yom Kippur, they wouldn't go out of the shul, they wouldn't leave their place. Some because they're scared they wouldn't get it back in the morning. Um... Some would just pray all night long. And rightfully so. We then come to the Shachris, which is almost almost similar to that of Rosh Hashanah. We begin Pesukah de Zimra, and then the Chazan will go over, not the Shaykhanad, but the Hamelech. And obviously the Shemineser would be different. Al-Khayt is said in each Shemineseh. Avinu Malkeinu, as we said before, will not be recited throughout Yom Kippur until Ni'ilah. It's on Shabbos. Um, then comes Musaf. Kriya sorry. And then Musaf. In middle of Musaf, there's a section known as Seder HaAveda. In the Seder HaAveda, we do Kairim, as they did in the Temple. And they talk about the different Avedas that went down of the Kairim Godel, running, the coming, the doing. We don't begin to know how active this Kerem Godel had to be on Yom Kippur Day. How much he had to do. Not to mention 
the psychological pressure of having to go into the Kedush HaKadosh and the Holy of Holies. But on top of that, he was constantly changing his clothes. Certain things he could do with gold garments, certain things he could do only with white garments. He was constantly, constantly, and going to the mikveh, and here a mikveh, and there, it was just a non-stop day for the Kohen Gadol. They even prepared a second Kohen Gadol in case he didn't make it through. Or if the Kohen Gadol, God forbid, was not fit, and he went into the Kodesh Kadashim and not being fit to do so, then they needed to be replaced by another Kohen Gadol as well. And they read the Seda Aveda. And we read what the Kohen Gadol went through. I'd like to just go back to Antwerp, actually. Another story in Antwerp. There was a Mespal. This is post-war, mind you. Post-World War II. Where as much as the Holocaust deniers want to deny it, many, many people, Khmeran suffered severely in the hands of the Nazis in Hashemam, One such Holocaust survivor, David in the Shul, always, okay, David in the Shul, and he had a very interesting custom, which threw everybody off. And that custom was, when it came to the Birchas Kahanim, the blessings, the priestly blessings of the Kahanim, which most of the world does only on Yom Tif, and the our Sephardi brethren do it on a daily basis. But he was an Ashkenazi, and therefore he died in Ashkenazi. And it was only Yom Tif, only on holidays, that they did Birchas Kahanim. Right before Birchas Kahanim, he would leave Shul. I can tell you first-hand experience as a child growing up post-war and I was relatively very close to the war my father arrived here after the war and I was born a few short years later so Everyone in shul, practically, middle-aged, that rolled up their sleeves to put on tefillin, had a number. As a small child, that number made quite a strong impression. Enough of an impression for me not to dare ask what it was. And Baruch Hashem, my father, my grandfather, never had, were never branded with these numbers. They managed to constantly escape. And they were throughout war-torn Europe and Siberia, etc. Constantly on the run. 
So I would never ask any questions about what the numbers were. Until I got a little older, I was seven or eight years old, I got up the courage to ask, I guess, my father, my uncle, my grandfather, Vasidas. Excuse me, they told me these people, Rahman al-Sanam, Dukhilit in the Lage, they suffered the war, the concentration camps. And in the concentration camps, they were branded with these numbers. And not only was there the pain of these numbers branded into their arms they could never remove, their identity was taken away from them. Their essence, their souls. They were never referred to again by name. They were only referred to as a number. And they needed to remember their number and to them if there was a roll call and they didn't come, step forth to their number. And therefore, when this particular fellow who dominated in the shul in Antwerp would have this awkward custom of leaving before Birch Kahanim, Mom was the word, nobody said anything. Where's your brother in law? Went for a walk. Oh. Nobody said anything. Finally, the Rav was beyond curious. This is a very, very strange thing that such a beautiful and special time when the Kahanam would get up and recite the 15 blessings. And yet this man always walked out. So he invited the man for a meal on Yom Tif. And he invited him for a Yom Tif meal and he figured, well fed, well imbibed, perhaps the liquors can pry information. And so the meal went through without a hitch, the, meat, the food was fantastic, like always. A very beautiful, sumptuous holiday meal prepared by his wife, children. The drink flowed freely. The songs melodiously filled the air. Enough of my poetry. And everybody was in a very, very good spirit, a good mood. And the rabbi turned to the man. I said, pardon me for asking you, what is this custom that you have, that you walk out before Bichas Kahanim? The man became somber. The entire beauty of the moment dissipated. And you could see he floated out. He went off somewhere else. And in deep thought, he finally began 
to describe the years, the suffering, the pain that was inflicted upon him in the days of Auschwitz. With all the pain, all the hurt, all the death around him, there was one man who was different. What it was about him, nobody knew. Who he was, nobody knew. But they referred to him as the rabbi. The rabbi always had something nice to say. The rabbi always gave an extra oomph of spirit. Gave an extra... When he saw somebody down, he lifted him up. His shoulder was available to cry on. His ears were always available to listen, no matter what time of the day or night. And people grew very fond of the rabbi, and connected to the rabbi. By Yemen, they were keeping track on their calendars, and the rabbi says, Pesach is coming. Oh, would I like to have matzah for Pesach. Scratching the head was not a, was an understatement. Rabbi, we're in Auschwitz. We get crumbs to eat. Matzah on Pesach? And lo and behold, as they returned from their work, work detail, someone noticed crumbs of matzah. So the only way you can get crumbs of matzah is if you have a matzah. So they started to inquire and they found out that there was one Jew who had a job to work in the commandant's house. He would clean the house, he would whatever, he, he was there. When the commandant and family were not home, he seized the opportunity to bake himself matzahs. The rabbi heard about this. And the rabbi says to the man, you must secure us some matzah for Pesach. He said, please, you're talking about suicide. If I get caught, there's nothing to talk about. I'm a statistic. I'm another number. It's not possible. This is possible, it's possible. Messias Nefesh, it's Messias Nefesh. Let's do it anyway. No. How could you refuse the rabbi? So the man managed to actually secure two whole matzahs that night. Lel Seder. The rabbi waited to right before Chatzais, right before midnight. And he called on together the 800 people in the bunker. One bunker housed 800 bodies, not people, bodies. They were bones. 
And he held up and he says, Rabbi Isai, we have matzah. Wow. What a miracle. And he said, I want everyone to have. And he started to break up the matzahs and distribute them. And everybody took their matzahs pieces and they broke their matzahs pieces and gave until everybody had a crumb of matzah. And he said to everybody, hold on to your crumb of matzah and repeat after me. And he said, word after word that he remembered from the Haggadah. The Haggadah Shopesach that's recited during the Seder. Whatever he remembered in memory, everybody recited and everybody said with him. And then, he made the bracha al achilas matzah and he ate his matzah. And everybody did the same. Then he did the ultimate. Said Rabbi Isai, we just celebrated Yetzias Mitzrayim. We celebrated the leaving of the exile of Egypt. We're out of Golas. We're free. We need to dance. We need to sing. His spirit was infectious. It caught like wildfire. And everyone began to sing and dance. Auschwitz. The death camp. Facing gas chambers. And these 800 inmates were singing and dancing to a tune of Pesach. Because they were free. Zman Chirusenu. Lo and behold, 800 inmates singing and dancing in the middle of the night didn't fare well with the guards. Suddenly, the guards burst into the barrack and start screaming. Who's singing here? This is Auschwitz. You don't sing, you cry. You scream from pain. You have no right to sing of joy and dance. And they grabbed one of the inmates and they put a revolver to his head and they said, I want to know who is responsible for this. Who incited this? Who started this? Or I blow this man's brain out. And then I'll continue to blow another one and another one until I get the answer. And as expected, the rabbi stepped forward said, it was me. And they said, the commandant said, grab him. He said, you're not dying so easy. Everybody will witness your death. And they took him out. And the next morning, the roll call was earlier than usual. And thousands of inmates standing in the yard. And the rabbi up on the gallows. And they're about to put the rope around his neck. And he says to the commandant, I'm dying now, right? You're killing me, correct? He said, yes. This is a dying man. 
You got to give courtesy one last wish. <laughs> Chutzpah. But how much worse could it get? I mean, after all, he's dying. I said, you know what? Okay, what do you want to do? What wish could you possibly wish for here? So what can I wish for? I'm a Kayin. And I want to bless all the Jews here with the Birchus Kahanim. It'll take me maybe a half a minute. Fifteen brachas. And the Kamadan said, Okay. I'm watching on my clock. Start. And he said, Yivarechecho Hashem v'yishmerecho Yair Hashem panavilecho v'yichonecho Yisra Hashem panavilecho v'yosim l'chasholim He said the 15 brachas of the Birchas Kahanim. We all stood there crying and bawling. The emotion, the love of this Kayin, benching Yidin, literally as he was about to die, says this man to the rabbi, I never want to lose that image. If I stand in shul and listen to Kahanim Duchen, it will water down the image of that last Birchas Kahanim that I heard. I never want that to happen. And that's why I walk out by Birchas Kahanim. The Kayin Gadol, as we said before, had a tefillah. We say the Seder Aveda. The Kayin Gadol, Beis Hamikdash, Nim Kippur. We don't have a Beis Hamikdash, unfortunately. And we don't have a Kayin Gadol. But we know that the Churban, the destruction of the Temple, affected a Besamikdash, a physical Besamikdash, of stones, of gold, of silver. The spiritual temple, the spiritual Besamikdash, remains in our soul of each and every Jew. And this was not destroyed. And this cannot be destroyed. And therefore, on this bias, Besamikdash Apnimi, we talk about this Aved of the Kayin Gadol on Yom Kippur. <coughs> his Aved, his service, was divided into two parts. One was he had to do in gold garments, as we said before, and the other in simple white garments, flax. Whatever he did out in the courtyard, he did in gold. Whatever he did in the Holy of Holies, he did in his white garments. Because gold could not come into the Holy of Holies, because ain katega nasa senega, you cannot make a prosecutor a lawyer. And since gold was a prosecution against the Jews for the golden calf, therefore they were not used, they were not allowed in the Kedesh Kedashim. Why? were the Kahanim even told to wear such beautiful garments? And the Kayin Gadol to wear gold. The Rambam explains, and tonight we finished the Rambam, 
I believe all three, Sefer Mitzvahs, and if you're learning one Pedic, if you're learning three Perakim, yesterday, I'm sorry, tonight we began new, and the Ramam cites, when you serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you need to do it in the most beautiful fashion, with gold, with silver, etc. Because this is what dazzles the person's eyes. This is what you needed to therefore do when it came to the service in Kippur. This fact, this idea, with our own temple, has the same effect. A Jew needs to use every ounce of his capacity, of his capability, to do, to serve God. A rich man needs to give tzedakah. He can't say, I studied Torah today, and therefore I don't have to give tzedakah. He has gold, he has silver. You need to work with that, and give tzedakah with it. As much as you possibly can, and then some. You have to give until it hurts. And the same way, when the Kohen Gadol came into the Holy of Holies, there, although gold is so valuable, he put on simple clothes. In the Holy of Holies, all that was found there were the Ark, the Luches Habris, both of them. And that's where the Shekhinah revealed itself. And therefore a person was told, take off the gold, the flashiness, the haughtiness, leave that behind, come in simple, humble, with white garments. What do we see from this? That although the values every Jew needs to use his most potential with his, do with his most potential that he can serve God. The service, the average service to God can come from the spiritual, from the clean, cleansing, the holiness and the cleanliness of the inner soul. But when a Jew wants to actually delve into the inners of his neshama, to his Kedesh HaKadoshim, to his Luchas Habris, which the Luchas Habris was stones engraved with the holy words of Terah, person needs to purify himself person needs to simplify himself and to come in with the garments of white the wealthy man as we said before cannot say I'll give a lot of tzedakah and that's enough the person that's a communal person 
cannot say I'll do a few things, a few great things for the community, and that's enough. Every person needs to use and do to his highest and greatest potential. And needs to dig deep down into the most in the greatest depth of his spiritual soul to bring out Kedusha. To dig out from his Kedusha Kedoshim. So now when Yom Kippur comes and a Jew comes to dig into and to bring out, draw out the Holy of Holies of his Neshama the point Nekuda Yadus from the deep of within him he doesn't have to figure out how to dress himself how to glorify himself how to glamorize himself that's not what's asked for of him we ask of him a pure heart a pure mind and with this we merit for the Shana, Taiva, Umesuka. And we merit that on Matsuyim Kippur, the Basko goes out and says, Leich Echel Besimcha. Go out and eat with Simcha. Because we need to delve into the service of God of fasting on Yom Kippur. If fasting on Yom Kippur will affect your prayers and you won't be able to pray with the proper and fullest intentions, so be it. More important is it to fast than to pray with all your intentions. And therefore, Yom Kippur comes with the Kedusha, when a person accomplishes all the Kedusha and all the holiness that he has to by this fasting. Because that is what gives sustenance to the human being. That's how a human being sustains oneself. And by not eating and not drinking, we are conquering and we are bringing out the greatness of spirituality over physical. The neshama over the goof. So much so, as the Altarebbe says, we need to make from the Gashmi, Ruchni. Therefore, Matzi and Kippur. Immediately, we need to bring down the Kedusha of the day into a physical essence so that the entire year we can raise up our physical to spiritual. As he said before, the Alter Rebbe says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Jews potential. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to the Jews Gashmias, physical, and the Jews make from physical, spiritual. And may we find 
a very spiritual year, and may we find ourselves inscribed in the book of life, in the book of happiness, in the book of joy, in the book of wealth, as Raymond would say, health, wealth, and time to enjoy it. And Shabbat Shalom to all, Gemar Chsimateva, Shabbat Shalom. Hey,